This show was first broadcast on Free FM, Hamilton, New Zealand's community access media organisation. For more information on our lineup of shows and the role we play in the media, visit freefm.org.nz. An exhibition is about to open tonight at the Waikato Museum, honouring the bluegrass pioneers from our region, the Hamilton County Bluegrass Band. It was formed, the band was formed in the 1960s uh, during a time when bluegrass music was pretty much unheard of in this country, but just starting to become noticed and sort of sitting on the fringes of the established country music scene. The band was founded uh, by Alan Rhodes and Paul Trenworth and became a household name thanks to TV shows like The Country Touch, which we all remember. They went to Australia for a bit to tour with uh, Slim Dusty and then moved back to New Zealand in 1974 where they continue to produce music even to this day. Founding member Paul Trenworth is in the studio with me now, and you'll know his voice uh, if you're a fan of country music or bluegrass music anyway, because he hosts uh, the Back Porch Bluegrass Show here at Free FM. And, uh, Paul, uh, it's, it's good to get you up and early in the morning to yeah. come and join us on the free breakfast. Yeah, thanks, thanks, thanks very much, Mike. Time. I was delighted to, to get out of bed and join the, the traffic jam on Cobham Drive to and make my joy. way into town. <laughs> it's a real joy. <laughs> this is, um, it must be a little bit surreal, actually. It uh, is. You know, th- saying, here we are having a museum exhibition, and um, for you, I guess, it's just more of the same. Um it, it's funny, we've, we've all sort of kept in touch over the years and uh, and even though there's a couple of ex-members living in Australia and one in uh, Vancouver in Canada, we've sort of kept in vague touch the way you do, made much easier these days by emails and, and things like that and um, we've kept playing and people, we've all kept our interest up in what the band's doing and when the museum came to us and said we'd like to do an exhibition we thought really that's how, yeah that's, that's, <laughs> well well that that would be interesting and um they had a a reasonably preconceived idea about what the exhibition would be and after talking to us uh probably decided that those preconceived ideas would need to be altered a little bit and um, they started looking at the various bits of memorabilia that we've got which consist mostly of um, newspaper articles, photographs um, posters of shows um, some videos, some old movies made by the National Film Unit um, record covers you know, because we always took great pride in record covers in, well, through the, the 60s and 70s Album art was a, was a, a skill all on its own, wasn't Absolutely. it? Absolutely yeah, You had yeah. to have that catchy cover Yes, I, and even now when I do my radio show, I love the albums I even love the CDs, I read the word, note Word for word, you know, everything about the people, everything I can, I get a lot of information from that, which is pretty much what we did in those early days. And and anyway, they said, look, we really want this exhibition to show people what it's like, first off, to be sort of a local band, because we were local. I've been a Hamiltonian pretty much all my life, apart from when we've been overseas. And... Um, and the band did, we consider our origins are definitely Hamilton, even though a lot of our early playing was in Auckland. And uh, so 
it just feels really weird being in a museum. <laughs> yeah, I suppose it, it, the, you kind of have to pinch yourself a little bit to, to say, well, they really want to do this. But you've, uh, I guess, have touched on something there that you, you call yourself a local band, and that's what I think has been the hallmark of uh, Hamilton County Bluegrass Band is that you've always felt like you are locals just making some music, and yet. It may surprise a lot of people living in the region to know just how widely regarded, how highly regarded you are, and how widely regarded you are overseas, and particularly in country music uh, circles in in America. Uh, Leofar, the the woman curator running it from the museum's point of view, as she got into some of the material that I gave her and some of the books and and the articles, uh, she constantly said how amazed she was. Uh, the thing that has astonished me in recent years as I've done a lot of research into bluegrass music and the writings is how much we were on the cusp of what was happening in the USA and we thought that we were just following a music style and that we liked playing in the in the late 1960s but in fact bluegrass music uh, was really just starting to spread in the USA in 1960. That's really interesting 62. because I've always imagined that bluegrass music, by the very name of it and the, and the sort of feel of it, that it would have had a very rich and long history. Um, 1947, really, it started the same, same year I was born. So not even 100 years yet. Yeah, so 1947. It, it grew out of the musics that preceded it, and uh, which utilised guitars and songs and gospel songs and hymns and instrumental music, fiddles and, and banjos. Uh, but Bill Monroe put it together in such a way that it was very dynamic. And his, so he was your producer, was he? No, he was the guy in the USA in 1947 oh, okay, that right. put together the iconic band and, and they basically said, this is how we play music. They didn't call it bluegrass. Um, it was just another branch of country music. He or, was or just, another, he was just trying to it. make a super successful country band. Well, where did the name Bluegrass come from? His He came from Kentucky and his band was called the Bluegrass Boys. Oh. And, you know, and that's like coming from Ty Happy and being called the Gumboot Boys, <laughs> yeah. you know. And, and um, it, the DJs were the ones who really gave it the name and the people who started writing about it. Uh, they wanted to describe the music apart from calling it Bill Monroe's music. Right. Because people were copying it and they didn't want to say, here's the Stanley Brothers playing Bill Monroe's music. So they called it bluegrass music. Well, let's come full circle then. You're establishing yeah. the Hamilton County Bluegrass Band. A, how did you latch onto that style of music as being something you would like to cover? And B, uh, you know, how much of a conscious decision was it to use the name bluegrass in the name? Um, we got hooked the way. Millions of Americans got hooked by hearing Earl Scruggs play the Beverly Hillbillies thing. <laughs> and we'd, we'd all heard banjos in, in, in the folk groups, like the Kingston Trio and yeah. the Christie Minstrels and the people there who could pick good banjo. And when we heard Beverly Hillbilly's theme and that driving banjo sound, uh, we found out there was a music associated with that style of playing. And my friend Alan and I said, ah, oh, we like that. And his mum bought an album through the World Record Club and uh, that <laughs> was featured Flatten Scruggs, yes. Yeah. And, and we put on this album and, and heard all this music and we said, that's what we want to play. And so coming up with a name, how difficult was that? Oh, there's a, there's a, um, 
a background in the USA uh, amongst the sort of folkies approach to bluegrass music, like which was pretty much what we were, and um, of, of having stupid names. And as we grew a band around us, we, we had all these stupid names, uh, like the Waikato Valley Marmalade Drippers and, and things like that, that were based <laughs> on the crazy names of the old string bands. And when we got selected by Brian East to be the backing band on the Country Touch TV show. We couldn't have any of our stupid names. And we were playing a fiddle tune um, uh, from a band called the Dillards, uh, who we admired greatly, and the tune was called Hamilton County. And we said, that's a perfect name for us. We're from Hamilton. There's no such place as Hamilton County in New Zealand, so that really suits us. And we better put Bluegrass Band there so people know what we do. Fair enough. And we've ended up with being called the Hamilton County Bluegrass Band, which gets Hamilton Bluegrass Country Band, the country Hamilton <laughs> County folk, and, and all sorts of things. Yeah, Wish we'd pick something similar. You pretty much know that anybody that says it right has to be a local. <laughs> They've <laughs> got to be an expert. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so tell me, how, um, uh, how how did the longevity of the band sort of work out? Because, it, you know, the, the blurb that came from the museum says the band's never really stopped playing. And, and I guess in a sense you haven't, even though you've had the tyranny of distance. We you've have had, you've had, had the gaps. old hiatus. Um, uh, and so it's... We yes, we have had the hiatuses. What's the plural of hiatus? And um, my Latin's pretty rusty. Don't, <laughs> don't, don't, don't test me on that. <laughs> um, uh, we came back from Australia in nineteen seventy three, and uh, having sort of done lots of stuff there, uh, and Colin and I. Uh, were invited by Slim Dusty to go to Australia as part of his band, or he was forming a band, in 1974. So that effectively killed the Bluegrass music for a while. But we kept in touch with Alan uh, in particular, and um, we played Bluegrass music over there with friends, and when we came back, we'd, we'd do some picking with Alan and, and, and Graham and our friends back here. And then we came back after... A, several years in Australia with Slim and, and carried on um, doing the family raising and, and all that sort of stuff and Colleen and I were playing mostly gospel music then, bluegrass style gospel music and of course we got Alan to play with us in that band sometimes particularly in recordings and, and we, we had other friends and eventually uh, a chap who'd been very instrumental in all our recordings in the early days, John Raphael, uh, he said, about time we had a reunion. It's been 25 years since you guys started. So he organised a reunion of all the people who'd been in the band in 1992. And uh, that was very exciting, you know, some mm -hmm. we hadn't seen for ages. And we got together and found out that we all still played. And we said, look, this is really good fun. We better... Um, put the band together again and we selected a band it was Colleen and myself and Alan and David Caller and by then we had uh, my oldest son Jeremy who played bass for us he was 20 and perfectly capable of doing bass and doing the harmony parts and uh, so we started performing again then so there was that break where we weren't doing much as Hamilton County we did a couple of shows that was it but you kept the, the name is still alive and the music is still alive yes. and you still do perform uh, yes. on occasions like that so uh, it must 
it must be kind of like putting on an old overcoat or, or a comfortable pair of slippers. That this is something you can go back to and, and pick up where you left off almost. We're going to be doing uh, a few songs at the opening tonight and then at the after-match function there's going to be some microphones and some mm. music there and there's going to be some strange aggregations of bluegrasses in there and we'll be doing songs that some of them haven't done for 30 years yeah. and they'll still remember their harmony parts you know it's going to be quite cool of course the sad part of this is a um colin passed away uh, at the end of last year or beginning uh, of this year. end of january this yeah. year very sad very unexpected um she came from a long line of women who lived into their 90s and she died age 74. Yeah, Absolutely true. tragic. And it's, we see this as being a memorial, very fitting memorial to Colleen as much as an exhibition of Hamilton County. And she would have been, as you, you were telling me off here before, you, she would have been a little bit embarrassed about the, the attention, oh. I guess. But she was such a fine fiddle player and such a fine musician and her sound really uh, gave the signature to the band, really. Didn't Absolutely. It? Along um, with your banjo. No, uh, very, very much. Well, the banjo and the and the fiddle just combined in such a way that it's it's very such a strong part of bluegrass music having those sounds set up over a very tight rhythm section. And and Colleen's fiddle playing was so good. Uh, we all, I almost can't believe it when I look back on those early days and uh, as to how she managed to pick up so many of the nuances of of good fiddle playing and just by ear and she she listened to stuff and so oh, they seem to be doing this oh that's good so and she and she could do it and that applied to all of us to some extent but um of course on the tv show country touch every time you saw a shot of the fiddle you saw a shot of colleen's face too yeah. and, and and she became uh, a real new zealand favorite in the band you know yeah. and uh, but she she would have been happier playing behind the curtain yeah she didn't like being out but, front don't give me the spotlight i'm happy to play but just don't, yeah. don't focus on when, me. when we did one of gray bartlett's tours the legends alive tours in 2005 um uh, Jody Vaughan was doing a song and it needed some background harmonies. So Colleen and Tim, who was our son who was playing bass with the Bluegrass Band at that time, Colleen and Tim did the harmonies off stage and, and uh, be, you know, behind the curtain while Jody was out front. And Colleen said, this is perfect. <laughs> I could do all our music like this. Oh, so, well, I, I, I think it's tremendous that, that she is getting the recognition that uh, oh, she yes. so richly deserved, though. And um, it's, it's a shame she couldn't be here, but um, absolutely, probably she's she may be happier just sort of watching from a distance. You think? <laughs> I think so. Yeah, <laughs> she said they can do that. Well, it, it all happens tonight, and there will be a special one-off bluegrass jam session uh, led by yourself with the uh, Southern School Director of Instrumental Music, um, Victoria. <laughs> Yes, Victoria uh, is married to my oldest son, Jeremy, yep. and uh, so when we need a fiddle player in she the band, in. we have another Mrs. Treadworth, uh, which is <laughs> pretty cool. <laughs> but she's a wonderful musician in her own right as well, Stunning. and uh, highly respected as a band yes. uh, leader and conductor. Yes. Um, visitors are invited to take their mandolin, banjo, violin, guitar, harmonica, whatever, now, now that, along to uh, possibly have a chance to play with, with the now band Now that's itself. for an event on the 20th. 22nd of May, oh, Saturday a, yes, the 22nd of 22nd May. 22nd of May, then. And uh, the museum and that, asked if 
we could do a couple of uh, extracurricular activities to go with it. So that's one of them. So one of them is a jam session for young players. So right. sort of people between the age of, say, 9 to 17 or something like that. If you're playing a, a fiddle or a banjo or a mandolin or a guitar or, or something that fits in with bluegrass music, come along. We've got to have some music there and we're going to put together a call it a bluegrass orchestra or a jam, just a jam session or whatever and give people an opportunity to find out what it's like to play that sort of music with other See what musicians. comes out of it. Yeah. yeah it's quite a, um, an organic kind of uh, genre really isn't it you, you, if people step up and want to be part of it you welcome them in and, um, if, and, and just see what transpires. The, you know, the nature of the music is such that although they're fairly predestined parts like you know what the mandolin does in bluegrass it plays rhythm when uh, you're not playing a lead line or you're playing a lead line which is usually pretty fancy and most of the musicians in a band sing they do the parts so the part that you sing affects how often you do your lead breaks and what you do and the sound of the band so everybody's contribution will be slightly different some banjo players sing lead in the band, so they don't have a, a lot of banjo happening when the lead singing is going on. But some banjo players, like me, don't sing much at all. And so I add driving banjo to the song. So right. everyone contributes slightly differently. And so you get five musicians together, and they will form a band that is different from the band standing next to them. And it's quite neat. Back to the exhibition, it, it runs till the 29th of August. Is there any talk that possibly it could be relaunched at some other time or that there may be a permanent aspect of it come out, come out of this? I have no idea of future uh, possibilities. Um, I, I, I guess there's a possibility that um, another museum could pick it up and put on the display. I don't know how the Waikato Museum works with other musicians in that regard. Um, we've got some pretty posh instruments in there. Uh, Leah Farr said they wanted some instruments. And I, I said, well, if you're going to have instruments, bluegrass musicians are very particular about their instruments. Right. Uh, they have to be good quality and they have to have the right sound so it's no use putting a $500 banjo in there and saying this is what a bluegrasser uses because he wouldn't be seen dead playing it uh, <laughs> in, a, in a professional band so um, when, it, you know, when it came to the crunch uh, we've all lent expensive instruments so I've got a Martin guitar, Martin wow. D21 guitar mm -hmm. in there saying this is a bluegrass guitar and I've got a, a, a Gibson classic Granada banjo in there that um, Keith McMillan's put in a double bass and a Gibson mandolin and Colleen's fiddle is going to be there and, and there so there's bloody thousands, you, of, do you, thousands you, of dollars worth of instruments yeah, in there. You can't have that on permanent loan I guess. Yeah. Um, has there been uh, any reaction offshore to this uh, exhibition and the announcement oh, of it? Um, uh, our mailing lists, we've sent out information and I'm getting a bit of stick from friends who are saying it's delighted that you're recognised as a relic now and, 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 and <laughs> you know, we always thought you were a, a museum yeah. <laughs> artefact <you know, laughs> and, and various things like that. Um, but uh, intelligent comments, no.
<laughs> no, I'm only getting smart-ass comments. <laughs> really. But I'm sure that uh, your, musician, musician, your musician friends, sorry, I'm stumbling over my words here, but your musician friends overseas and, the, and those in the business overseas who hold the band in such high regard, I'm sure would be delighted they with are. the news that the exhibition is happening. Yes, and uh, they all see it as being a great thing for bluegrass music. And uh, so... Bluegrass community overseas rejoices in in good news uh, for bluegrasses, no matter where it is. And while the rest of the world's in COVID yes. situation, oh, you know, something yeah. like this is actually it is good news. The, Amer- the American bluegrass scene has turned into you know Zoom jam sessions, yeah. you know, and it's tragic. Really, they're just getting back into a few live concerts. So all my musician friends over there, you know, have just about forgotten what it's like to play in a band. Yeah, and it's tragic and. Uh, We've, we have so enjoyed the freedoms over here uh, that I'm almost embarrassed about them, really. And Australia's the same. They're still picking and playing. Uh, festivals are starting you this year. You can't stop the music, Paul. It's got no, to keep happening one way or another. But um, anyway, I hope everything goes well tonight. I'm sure it will. It'll be a great occasion. And uh, this is an exhibition, I think, that everybody who um, wants to celebrate just what we achieve in our small little part of the world should should come along and see just what the band means and what the music is all about. And I'd like to just wrap up uh, the interview this morning with you by playing one of your signature tracks off one of your um, albums, and it's uh, Carolina well, the, on the, 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 It's interesting. The one that I've selected is uh, a, one called, a tune called Carolina in my mind, and it's a fairly non-bluegrassy one, actually. I know. That's what I was going to say. It actually came really just kind of from the folk era. It did. It It did. Uh, James Taylor song that uh, I remember David Calder, our mandolin player, suggested that we should do it because our band was very much about vocal work and vocal harmony and that as well. But this is a very folky approach to uh, bluegrass music, but it got into the Loxine Gold Disc Awards and things. And there's no denying the the bluegrass influence and the bluegrass sound to it. Yeah, so let's try it. Let's have a listen to it. Paul Trimworth, thanks so much for joining us this morning on on the Free Breakfast and um, congratulations on such a richly deserved honour of having that exhibition at the Waikato Museum. Well, thanks very much, Mike. Darkens 
silent late last night Lord, I think I heard the highway call Geese in flight and dogs advice And signs that might be omen Say I'm going, going Gone to Carolina in my mind With a holy host of others standing around me Still I'm on the dark side of the moon And it seems like it goes on like this forever You must forgive me Forgive me if it's something in my mind I'm gone to Carolina Oh, great sound. The uh, Luxing Golden Disc winning uh, track Carolina on my mind from the Hamilton County Bluegrass Band. The exhibition 8th of May through to the 29th of August at the uh, Waikato Museum and uh, honouring a great band and great bunch of musicians from our own patch. For more episodes, use the accessmedia.nz app for iOS and Android devices or subscribe to this podcast via Spotify, iHeartRadio or Apple Podcasts. This free FM podcast was brought to you with support from New Zealand On Air.